If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 11 through 18, under the heading, Jesus the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Here ends this reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. It took Jesus a thousand years to die. This is the first line of Saving Paradise by Rita Nakashima Brock and Rebecca Ann Parker. And they were explaining the fact that images of Jesus' corpse did not appear in churches until the 10th century. It was not the suffering or crucified Jesus who early believers held in their hearts and minds, but other images. For a thousand years, Jesus was remembered by Christians as the risen Christ, or as healer of the sick, or as a teacher, or as a rabbi. In the century following Jesus' death, the Gospels fueled visions about Jesus. The Gospel of John was a particularly good source. John has Jesus make a multitude of I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way. I am the gate. We find all of these in early Christian art, but none more so than the image from today's scripture the Good Shepherd. This is the most prevalent depiction of Jesus and the earliest Christian mascot. A shepherd, no beard, 
Most of the art that depicts Jesus as the good shepherd places him in paradise, meadows with trees and flowers, birds and flowing water. In these depictions, Jesus is always well-groomed. We can practically smell his cologne. The sheep, too, are docile and clean. They are lovely creatures who appear to adore their shepherd. I'm not sure that we think too much about this particular imagery these days. This could be in part because Oklahoma is cow country. Sheep are not in Oklahoma's top 10 commodities. Oklahoma ranks number two in the nation for beef cows, which I really only point out to you because this is possibly the highest positive ranking our state can claim right now. <laughs> Since we also rank number two in the nation in teen birth rate and incarceration. Mayflower is not exactly a rural congregation. You can't throw a stick in here without hitting a lawyer. So when we, when we are prompted to think of Jesus as the good shepherd, it's a little difficult, first because few of us have first-hand experience, but also because those images of the so fresh and so clean shepherd boy are completely inaccurate. Shepherds, by nature of their work, do not have easy access to showers. They are dirty and smelly, and their work is hard. In first century Palestine, during the long dry season, it was necessary to move the flocks over considerable distances in search of good pasture, resting places, and water had to be found. The shepherd needed to know how to doctor six sheep before it was too late, and to keep an eye on wanderers and stragglers. And of, and of course, shepherds had to defend the flock from wild animals. But shepherds did not have a very good reputation. In rabbinic writings, shepherds are actually viewed with suspicion, routinely accused of handling stolen goods and trespassing. They were viewed as so untrustworthy that, like tax collectors, they were not allowed to give evidence in court. And the idea of sheep as lovely little creatures with fluffy white coats, it's also bogus. In full disclosure, my parents run a small cow-calf operation, so I had to learn all of the following information from a book. Sheep are not known as the brightest crayons in the box. They will graze a pasture to the ground and will then eat the roots of the grass, making a desert, unless a shepherd moves them along. Sheep will bloat themselves on, to death on green alfalfa, lacking the sense to stop eating, even when their stomachs start to swell. They leave a sticky, slick coating on everything they rub up against. So, about this imagery. Being a bit closer to it, John would have known all about this shepherding and sheep business. Seems like he would have chosen a different description for Jesus to use. But it turns out he was being traditional. This imagery was likely drawn from holy scriptures Jesus used, the Hebrew Bible, where the image of the shady shepherd is absent. Instead, positive attributes of the good shepherd are highlighted and used to describe God. In the Hebrew Bible, the shepherd guides. 
heals, seeks out the lost, and brings the scattered flock back together, protects them from harm. We read of the Good Shepherd in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, I will look for those that are lost, bring back those who wander off, bandage those that are hurt, and heal those that are sick. And in Isaiah chapter 40, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Jesus, a good Jewish boy, would have been familiar with these descriptions of the good shepherd and knew how perfect an image it was to use as he spoke of God's unrelenting preoccupation with those who wander, with those who are lost. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus tells the disciples the, and the Pharisees that the shepherd will leave the other 99 sheep in the wilderness and go after the one who is lost, and when it is found, lay it on his shoulders and rejoice. And in our text today, Jesus speaks of the goodness of the shepherd, the willingness to lay down his life for his sheep, the one who does not run away when the wolf is at the door, and, and the sheep. That, that's us, right? Yes, that, that's us. Some people assume that everyone already knows this. I mean, that is why we're all here. We are, we are all baptized, church-going, pledge-paying, know every word in the hymnal Christians. We show up week after week, plus special services. We take communion quarterly and never get bored during worship. Everyone here knows the shepherd's voice and trusts it. Docile, clean, lovely creatures who love their shepherd. You're right, I don't know any of those people either. But the people I know are usually a little shaky about belonging to the flock. What exactly are the requirements for membership anyway? Who is in charge of vetting people? How do we know if we're in or not? And many people are not even sure they're in to begin with. And quite frankly, some of us prefer our independence. No flock for us, thank you very much, we can handle it. We like to think of ourselves as wild and free as we're paying our taxes and checking our work email on Saturday morning. The problem, the problem with choosing to go it alone is that it's easier to get picked off by wolves this way, whether it's depression that backs us into a dark corner or greed that pushes us to the edge of a cliff. To be sure, the flock can be loud. There is occasional headbutting but without the flock, it is all too easy for independence to become isolation. So stick with us, won't you? We're all listening hard for the shepherd. We've got a better chance together. Some of us have self-exiled ourselves from the flock because we have judged ourselves to have come up short to not be enough. M members of the flock know what they believe, right? 
And they always know what to say about what they believe. They know what they believe and why, and they speak inspiring words about their faith. They are never embarrassed or shy about it. Sheep in the flock are in constant contact with God. They are never doubtful or afraid. They have total trust in the shepherd. But, but us, we, we are just not that confident. So perhaps we don't belong. Lots of people have a small, nagging suspicion that perfection really is what it takes to belong. Are you, are you one of those people? Someone who thinks that you are not knowledgeable enough, that you have not read enough Barth or Luther or Bonhoeffer, that you do not read the Bible enough or are not sure enough about what you believe. Whatever it is, stop it, please. Please stop thinking that you are not good enough or smart enough to belong. Let me tell you about how this flock believes around here. On some days, on some days, our faith is firm. It is courageous and it is fierce. And on other days, our faith is small and tired and can barely get out of bed. That's that's because belief is less about certainty than it is about trust and hope. We try to live it more than we talk about it. So above all, know that you belong here as part of the flock. If you do not believe anything else, believe this. You belong. We all belong to the flock, not because we are certain of God, but because God is certain of us. Or maybe it isn't you. Maybe somebody told you that you don't belong in the flock. Churches do this. Some churches think they are the only flock. Whole denominations have sprouted up over this idea. They sustain themselves on the idea that they are the only ones who are in. They have appointed themselves keepers of the flock membership roles. This has wreaked havoc on many a sheep, sheep who thought they were in the flock, only to find out that the church keeps a list of things that can get you kicked out, like who you love, or if you get a divorce, or if you get pregnant without a ring on your finger, or if you have questions about what you've been told to believe. If this has happened to you, it is a miracle you are here this morning. Being told one does not belong is a difficult thing to recover from. Some never do. So it, it is often little consolation that it isn't the individual but the flock who will be judged, but that is the truth. Our job is to reject only those who Jesus rejected, and that turns out to be no one. Or as Jesus said, there is one flock, one everybody's in. Which leads us back to the flock itself. I'm not convinced Jesus wanted us to act only as sheep. He wanted a little more from us, which is why he did not keep the title of Good Shepherd all to himself. In the closing scene of John's Gospel, Jesus makes a post-resurrection appearance to the disciples while they are fishing. He calls them ashore and cooks them breakfast. Jesus asks Simon Peter, do you love me? 
When Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Three times this exchange happens, and each time Jesus says, feed my sheep, or to paraphrase, become the shepherd. If you love me, love one another. Jesus does not say, if you love me, you will avenge my name, or if you love me, wait around for the second coming, or if you love me, create a list of things people should believe about me. No. Jesus tells them to become the shepherd. If you love me, love one another. And, and to a large extent, this is what happened. The shepherd became the model of Christian leadership and life. Hallmarks of early Christians were their care of the sick, ministry to those in prison, hospitality to strangers, resources held in common and distributed to the poor and the elderly. By the third century, these Christian communities of care had created a social network in cities throughout the empire. The reputation of these faith communities increasingly threatened the empire to the point that Rome began to throw Christians in jail. And what happened? Well, at first, believers on the outside began working for improved condition for conditions for believers on the inside, but eventually Christians began tending to anyone who was in a cell. Today, we, we call this criminal justice reform, but to use traditional language, it's called shepherding, the act of watching over, tending to, defending. So maybe our ancestors of faith were on to something by making the shepherd the most common reminder of Jesus. This image is, after all, the exact opposite of power and strength. Who would be threatened by a shepherd? Certainly not the empire. The shepherd was nothing like the Roman Empire, a warrior who held office by winning wars, occupying foreign lands, and condemning people to die in arenas for entertainment. The shepherd, the shepherd cared for the ones who were sick, the ones who could not keep up, the ones who wandered. The image of the shepherd carrying the weak contrasted sharply with the image of the emperor in full armor, sword raised, crushing anything that got in its way. This is perhaps why we are still here, still meeting together, still scheming ways to make the world better, still believing that hope lives. The Jesus movement should have been squashed within weeks of Jesus' death, but it wasn't. Rome should have been able to decimate the small band of heretics who modeled their lives after a shepherd, but it couldn't. Power and control seriously misjudged the fierce devotion of the shepherd and those who continued the work. Perhaps those early Christians knew how strange the image of the shepherd would seem to the rest of the world and how very subversive of them to make the shepherd instead of the conquering warrior, the most enduring image in the early Christian community. We come from people who believed that the world would be saved because of devotion to the lost, the wanderers, the stragglers, people who believe that there is no other, just one flock, and that peace comes through loving one another. Perhaps 
The best thing those early believers did for us was to choose a shepherd for our mascot. Here's hoping we live up to it. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.